Hi, welcome to another episode of the Student Mentorship Podcast Series. I'm Stuart Anderson. Grateful to have you listening in. We are grateful for all these awesome guests who join us and share their wisdom and uh, mentorship. In this episode, we interview Dr. Chris Hammond and Dr. Alex Harris, both of who have been my personal dentists uh, here in Salt Lake City. So they're, they're down in Provo. I drive 45 minutes to be with this group. They are an incredible dental practice. Uh, Steve Anderson joins us on this episode as we interview how to join a practice as an associate. And you're going to hear both sides of the story. What, what is the, the lead doctor looking for in an associate? How can you prepare to be that person? And then advice from Dr. Alex Harris on how to enter the practice as an effective associate. They both share some incredible advice for students or, or anyone really trying to join a practice as an associate. So enjoy this episode. Hopefully there's lots of fun takeaways. Uh, as always, this podcast is sponsored by the Crown Council, where we are committed as an association to raise the standards of dental care together and create a culture of success inside dental teams, inside practices, uh, even inside families, as, as dentists and their teams are looking for ways to make their culture and environment for patients and for employees better. Uh, so that's our goal, and we hope that this podcast will help do that, that this is just one of the tools that Crown Council offers to help dental practices create a culture of success. All right. Enjoy the episode, Dr. Chris Hammond, Dr. Alex Harris. Thanks. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, Mentor of the Month podcast. I'm Stuart Anderson, joined by Steve Anderson, founder of Crown Council and Total Patient Service Institute. Welcome, Steve. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be with you, Stu. Looking forward to our Great. conversation today. You bet. We've got two guests. Uh, a guest, man, these guys are more like friends. Uh, they are absolutely two of the, the best friends and mentors uh, in, the, in my life and in the Crown Council. So Dr. Chris Hammond and uh, Dr. Alex Harris are joining us. Um, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, um, just a short introduction. If you haven't joined for one of these podcasts yet before, this is our student-focused uh, series as part of the Mentor of the Month. In Crown Council, it's our belief and our culture that we are all getting better together by sharing our very best with each other. Uh, we hope that dentists inside Crown Council never feel like they're practicing alone. And that is why we created this idea, which is how can we help young doctors and young dental students find their next step? Uh, so we've gone out and found mentors, people who we think can help provide some answers uh, and maybe even some uh, pitfalls of what not to do when trying to choose what comes next after your dental school uh, is over. So today, uh, Dr. Hammond and Dr. Harris are going to talk to uh, talk to us about associates. So joining a practice as an associate, um, being an owner inside of a practice, maybe what you're looking for as an associate, uh, and all, all the things that go on inside a relationship uh, that, that Chris and Alex have. Uh, as a short introduction to them, man, Chris, we've known each other for eons. <laughs> yeah, it's probably it's going on 24 years, probably. 24, 24 years. And I'm only I'm only 28 years old, so it is a... <laughs> Since a birth. Just kidding. So uh, Dr. Hammond practices down in Provo since 1996. And like Dr. Tyre, if you listen to that uh, podcast series, 
is also a recipient of the Young Dentist of the Year Award, uh, the first, I believe, awarded from Crown Counsel uh, to Dr. Hammond, which is a, a cool thing. Um, he, he practices down in Provo and has been named um, the best of the best by Utah County's uh, Daily Herald. And I know from personal experience as a patient of Dr. Hammond, uh, an unbelievable experience with he and his team. Um, it's a, a joy to go down and be with you, Chris, and your team and what you've created there. Uh, and, and Chris is also a, a generational practice. So his father was a, a doctor yeah. and a mentor to Crown Council and to him. So um, welcome, Chris. Grateful to have you with us. Thanks. And then Dr. Alex Harris. Hey, you've done dentistry on me as well. Yes, I have. Absolutely. I <laughs> so all these emergency patients. Yeah, emergency work. Uh, Dr. Harris has been part of our Young Dentist program um, and uh, grateful to have him as part of a young up-and-coming leader of the Crown Council. Uh, his example, both as a, as a clinical professional as well as just a leader, uh, what he's doing as a person and the, the type of man he is. Grateful to have you, Alex, as part of the group. Uh, received his under, undergraduate degree from Brigham Young and then attended the University of Texas Health uh, at San Antonio School of Dentistry, where he graduated with honors. And uh, I really, I wanted to read this as part of your website. It says, uh, Alex wrote this, as a third generation dentist, dentistry has always been a major part of my life. My grandfather and my father showed me what it meant to serve others and sacrifice for those in our community. Through their examples and with my experience as a patient of Dr. Hammond, I knew I wanted to make dentistry my profession. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to follow in their footsteps and serve those in this community that I love. That is a great paragraph. That's um, awesome. Anyway, thanks Dr. Harris for joining us. Um, grateful to have you with us. So I know we've got both of you on. Maybe we could start with uh, Chris and tell, we'll go Chris and then Alex, tell us a little bit about your dental history, your journey, um, where it started and how you got into the profession. So like you said, I'm a generational dentist. My dad was a dentist. I went to dental school in the 1900s. feels like it was forever ago. <laughs> graduated in 96. The 1900s. Um, I practiced with my dad. So I can also speak a little bit to what it's like to, to be an associate to your father, which I think is a really unique um, uh, opportunity and also has its own unique challenges. And I think some of the things that have made Alex and I successful, we've tried to copy from the things that made my dad and I successful, kind of lessons learned back then and the way that it worked. But father and son uh, um, partnerships can be a big challenge, I know. So, um, but like I say, I, I don't think that people should be intimidated by that. I think if you'll just stick to the core principles of what makes partnerships and uh, associateships work, you can get it can apply also to working with your dad. Anyway, um, my dad and I worked together till 2004. Um, I had an associate right after that. I've had an associate and a partnership since then. I've been on my own since 2015. And then Alex and I joined up together and made it another two doctor practice uh, a couple of years ago. Very cool. So I, I've just, I don't know. I love dentistry. I love what it brings to um, my life, to my relationship with people. Um, I love the clinical 
but I love the leadership and the business and the relationship part even more. That's kind of been probably my spotlight of my career. All right, Alex, how about you? Alex. Yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, like in the intro, right. I, I've known Dr. Hammond for a long time and I've been part of this. It feels like I've been part of the team for a long time as well as a patient here. Um, Dr. Hammond and my father have had a great working relationship for a long time and personal relationship. My dad's an oral surgeon here in the County. And, and so when I really thought dentistry, I was, I was a little biased because I had been a part of, of uh, this amazing practice early on. Um, some humanitarian trips were a big deal for me early on as well. When I was 16, I did my first one in Chile where we went down and my dad was an oral surgeon down there and I got to assist him and then help some of the general dentists and, and having that experience and, and realizing what, what dentistry can provide for a community and, and an individual, it, it definitely led me to, to where I'm at now. Um, a, a big help was Dr. Hammond prior to even thinking about dentistry. He, he let me come bug him and, and, uh, kind of follow him around. And I continue to do, to do that, try to learn as much as I can. So dentistry definitely been a big part of my, of, of my life. Lots of, you know, weekend emergency calls or my, my dad's having me come with him to the office and, and taking care of patients, uh, as kind of acting like family members more than, you know, just a, someone that he didn't know. And so all of those were great, were great, uh, examples to me. And, and just, I wanted to carry that on. So here we are. Excellent. All right. So Chris, um, let's go to you when you were first looking for an associate, we're going to take Alex out of the picture here for just a minute. Uh, tell us characteristically, what were some of the things that you were looking for in an ideal associate? And then Alex, I'm going to ask you the same thing is what characteristically were you, you were looking for? So Chris, I think I knew through past experiences that my practice is a big relationship based practice. Um, we work a lot on the communication skills, a lot on, um, just connecting with patients. And then in addition to that, connecting with our employees and I was looking for someone that could complement that kind of that culture in our office, someone that would blend really well with the culture of the office, um, wasn't afraid to, um, to, to, I guess, develop something that kind of connected him with my own patients and my own practice. So a good communicator, I think, is what I wanted to say. A good clinician would be another criteria of mine. Someone that was really concerned about doing good quality work. Um, we're, we kind of follow the personality profile that we, we learned through TOPS around here, the DISC. We love that. We kind of pay attention to what people's personality profiles are. Right. Um, I had known Alex for a long time. I kind of knew a lot about him. And I just was looking for someone that I felt like that he and I could develop a close friendship uh, inside and outside the office and that he could uh, communicate the same way and develop relationships with patients. Perfect. All right, Alex, this is kind of like playing the dating game, guys. So <laughs> the associate, the associate. I just love Alex. All right. So we should, we should put you in two separate rooms and let you answer. And then see how close your answers are. All right. So Alex, what were, what was on your list uh, coming out of school? What was a priority for you in a, in a good associate uh, relationship? No, absolutely. I, I think the, 
my main criteria. So I actually had right out of school, I didn't know I'd have this opportunity with Chris. So right out of school, my mindset right away was experience, right? Like I want, I want to hit the ground running experience wise. I don't care how many days at the week of the week I have to work. I don't care what, whatever I need to get the experience. I, I need to be a great dentist is what I wanted to do. So I joined a, a, a DSO and, and got to Utah because I know Utah, I, I knew that was important to me was to be in, in Utah again. So, so I figured get to the area that I want to be long-term was, was the first, the first goal. And then as, as I went along with my experience with the DSO, I, I thought I'm getting the experience and I, I really feel like in a partnership or an associateship, what you look for is, is you look at the dentist, you're basically trying to emulate and you decide is, are they practicing the way that I want to practice? Does their day-to-day life look like the life that I want? And that's a huge thing. Cause if, yeah. if, if your partner or, or your boss essentially, right, is, is not, not living day to day, you know, their, their priorities aren't the same as what yours are, then I mean, their practice is very much run do in that, in that capacity, whatever they, they feel is, is important. And so that was a big thing for me is, okay, I'm looking at the dentist I'm working with every day. Cause that was how it was in DSO. I wasn't the only one there. I had a dentist there that had been there for a long time. Great, great dentist. But as far as looking in my 10 year period, I thought, do I want to practice exactly this way? And, and this many days a week and at nights and all those things, which were things that I had decided early on. I didn't want to do that. So then it becomes a, okay, how do I, who's going to be that mentor and who, who is going to give me the experience to be able to practice dentistry, how I, how I want. So for you, it was about having, finding the vision that for you was attractive where the way you wanted to practice and then finding somebody that was living, living the, living the high life, right? Living the life that you wanted. This is about copying genius. Copying genius. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Which we talk about a lot in the crown council. It's a lot easier to copy genius than it is to create mediocrity. So for you, that it was all about finding the right person who modeled what, what you wanted to be. So excellent advice. Uh, all right, boys, what's working. So in your day to day, um, how this functions, because this is really where the rubber meets the road. <clears throat> what is it about the way you've set things up that works? So Chris, I'm going to start with you. Uh, so what is it about how your relationship is set up and how you do it that works for you as the senior doc? We were, we were talking about that earlier today. Um, and it was actually, this has been a good exercise for us because we launched into this uh, a year ago or two years ago, coming up on two years. Um, with, I mean, without really a lot, a big framework, without really saying, hey, this is what it's going to be like on this day. This is what it'll be like day to day. But we feel like we've developed a system that has worked well for both of us. So one of the things we did right off the bat is we developed a culture in our office where I told my team, um, once Alex got his feet wet and he started working and feeling like he was getting up to speed, it took, what do you think, Alex, maybe six months? Plug it in my computer. Okay, good. Yeah, do that. Always be prepared. After he was here about, I, I did the same thing, by the way, after about six months, um, he, I, we felt like his speed was there. And I turned to my office uh, in a team meeting and I said, look, our primary goal is to fill his schedule. I want you to forget about my schedule, my schedule. I've been here for 25 years. It's going to fill itself. 
But if we can make, make it an effort on our team to fill Dr. Harris's schedule first, then I feel like really good things are going to happen. So we worked on that. The other thing we worked on is getting him to know everyone in the office, all of the patients. So I gave um, uh, Alex kind of the range to check hygiene as much as possible. I would go in and say hello to patients um, to let them know I was around still because I was a solo practice for a while, right? I think they wanted to know that I was here. But oftentimes it was just to say hello. It was not to check their x-rays and do the clinical exam. And I felt like that was huge for patients to feel like we were a team and that it didn't really matter who, what doctor worked with them or what doctor was doing the exam, that we were both in it together and that we both endorsed each other um, and had each other's back as far as um, taking care of our patients. So that was another big thing. What else did we talk about, Alex, earlier today? Yeah, I think I, th- those are a lot of the things. I think the a big a big part of of this relationship early on was knowing it. It we don't have to know exactly how it's going to look, but we need to have we need to trust that this is a good way to figure it out. Right. Because like we were, we've been friends for a while too, and and I mean known each other in different capacities, but we we knew we knew that a work environment can be different, but. But this is truly like what Steve said is is a dating relationship, right? Like it, it really is. Like it doesn't mean you have to get married, but I mean to get married, you want to date first for a little while. And truly, if both people feel that way, then then you there's no real pressure, I guess. There's no there doesn't have to be pressure because I, I know I'm coming into it knowing he's the exact mentor that I I want. He, he practices how I want to practice his day-to-day life looks similar to how I want it to be. And so all the other things can work itself out from there. Right. And, and, and so open communication, I mean, we, we go on our, our dates, right. Pretty often um, outside of work where even if we don't have things necessarily work-wise to talk about, we make sure we make an effort at least once a month to sit down at lunch outside the office and, and say, okay, exactly what Steve asked, like what's working, what's not. Are you happy with how things are going in our relationship? And it's kind of that inventory, right? So yeah. have some time outside the the day to day busyness of an office. Um, so one of one of the things I want to go back to and highlight, Chris, is your your willingness to endorse Alex, introduce him to the patients, make him, you know, basically say, go ahead and fill you know fill his schedule. Let's get him busy. What brought you to the decision that you we're ready for an associate. Hmm. That's a good question because I mean, I guess the criteria for bringing on associate can, there can be a list of like things that a practice should look at or um, indicators, I guess that would say you needed an associate. I was looking personally to have my life be a little less chaotic and right. to invite someone into the office, almost to create a little more, um, a better culture so that we, I was booked out like three months. And I didn't want to stay there. It wasn't, it was profitable financially, but it wasn't good for my sense of well-being as a person or a father or a leader in the practice, or even, even to be able to take the practice to the next level. I knew it wasn't going to happen if the, we were living sort of on this organized chaos kind of a situation, if that's even a, a thing, but just this craziness of being booked out so far. But beyond that, I really wanted to practice with someone that shared my same vision. And 
Alex and I didn't really know if we were going to be a fit. When we talked, I said, look, come work for me for a year and let's just see where it goes. And the dating analogy is really a really good one because that's how you work when you're getting to know someone on a social level. You just see where it goes. And we didn't have any pre- preconceived ideas. I said, look, if this works, it might be something long-term. If it doesn't, are you going to be okay with it? And we just both have to be okay with it. And let's just go for it. The other thing that um, I, w- I wanted to mention before is I felt like I was a really, I, I made an extra effort to communicate with my employees and my team as to what was happening because I wanted them to be a part of it and feel like that they they kind of needed to go all into to make Alex successful. So when it came down to endorsing him and talking about him and and being kind of cheerleaders for him, that was a really important ingredient too from the very start. And I think I needed to, to talk to our team a lot about what our the two practice, the two doctor practice was going to look like and how it was going to work. And we, we talk about it almost at every single morning huddle. We talk about the things we can do and the opportunities we have to make Alex successful. And it was, it's been huge. So that, that whole piece of it, I, and the reason I wanted to highlight that is one of the biggest reasons that associate relationships fail is lack of clarity on on the part of the senior doctor about why they want an associate in the first place and is there enough work to keep an associate busy yeah Uh, so knowing and asking those questions on the front end what the motivations are what the busyness is alex i'm sure that gave you some level of comfort knowing he was booked out three months in advance maybe there was maybe there was a little bit there that needed to be done that you could take advantage of yeah but just, you know, making sure that, that all those pieces that there are, that this is a, you know, a practice that's ready to expand Uh, a practice that's ready for an associate is one where the senior doctor is, you know, is too busy to keep up with things on a, on a realistic basis, long-term and there is still going to have to be some growth after an associate comes on. So the trajectory has to be, yeah, all the trends have to be going in the right direction for it to be successful just from a business flow standpoint. The other thing I noticed about Alex right off is he came in saying with the idea of what can I do to help this work? He was, it wasn't just about what's in it for me. He t- talked to me a lot about um, what can I do to help with this? What can I do to help implement this technology? What can I do as far as taking emergencies after hours? There was a lot of things that he did and said um, early on in our in our practice relationship that led me to believe that he kind of wanted to, to kind of, it was, he was a real deal. He wanted to be a part of something um, as opposed to just a clock in and clock out employee. Got it. Okay. One other question. And then Stu's got, got some additional questions. Yep. Uh, so, um, for both of you, how do you uh, address the, well, I just want to see Dr. Hammond, right? So you're, <laughs> you've been around for a while and Alex, you're, you know, you're the young guy coming out of school. Um, we've got Chris, this was you back in the day. It's all of us have been through this. So how has that been bridged to give patients the confidence that, uh, you know, the young guy can pull it off. What are the exactly. dynamics of that? You know, Alex, I'll go first and you can add, but one of the things that we are still do a lot is we both show up a lot of times in the hygiene exam. 
or talking to a patient in treatment planning. And we talk strategically about treatment plans together with a patient and they automatically feel like it's going to be a joint effort. And I will actually say right to the patient, Dr. Harris is going to be doing this work for us. Um, you're going to love him. And I also am not hesitant to say he's actually better at this than I am. So you'll know what I mean after your appointment. And, and uh, we, we just try and, we try and present ourselves as a team rather than two individual doctors that they would actually pick or choose from. I think patients are starting to feel like it's, it's a team effort and our, our employees, our team members talk about that a lot too. I think they've started to feel that and feel that way, which I think is, is huge. And then oftentimes I've just said, Hey, I don't even do this anymore. It's not a procedure that I do. Dr. Harris does this in our practice. He does the single crowns. He does the operative dentistry and there's a lot more to it than that. But if patient yeah. is resisting on having a single filling scheduled with, um, with Dr. Harris, my hygienist will just say, you know, Dr. Hammond doesn't do this procedure. Dr. Harris does this. Yeah. And that, and that, that makes sense. That's pretty, makes it, it a pretty easy, yeah. easier decision. All right, Alex, yeah. how about for you? How about for you? Yeah. I've, I feel like as, as an associate coming in, you've got a big responsibility to get the team trusting you. Right. Cause essentially, I mean, our patients are seeing a Tracy or, or Paula or Dina, or they're seeing our hygienist first. And, and so that was my goal, right. When I came in is I, I wanted to prove to them, like I'm worth talking about. So sure. I took that on me to, to make sure if their family and the members had work <clears> that needed to be done or anything that, that, uh, I could prove to them, like, look, they're going to have a good experience. And then this question won't come up anymore. Once, once that, was taking care of it, it, it helped a lot. And I, I think a big, a big part of, um, making sure this works too, is, is, is that invoking, invoking the, the senior doctor, amazing Dr. Hammond's name, right? Like, like I am like, if I've, I'm doing what he's trained me to do, right? Like I'm, I'm doing what he, I've learned from him. And, and I mean, the occasional joke about, Oh, so you brought in the baby for this. Or you brought in the, the, I, I always make sure they know, no, I just got my driver's license and I'm working <laughs> on my dental license. I'm almost there, you know, we're good. And, and you know, like breaking it. the ice. And, and then I think a big part is just being available for the emergency exams, a broken tooth, front tooth, and knowing, Hey, Dr. Hammond can't see you, but his, his partner or associate, you know, Dr. Harris is here for you. And, and then if I have, I create that good experience from a patient, at, at that point, then they're not going to ask that in the future at their hygiene appointment, you know, their, their every six month visit. So that I just, I try to create that first initial visit. I want to make it the best that it can be. And then that question isn't, it doesn't come up anymore. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a two-part deal. I mean, you guys have done, sounds like a, a good job of Alex getting you teed up, right? right. Position, but you are very, very clear. You got to hit the ball. Like it, it, you, you've got to go in there and you got to make it work. So they want to come see you again. Right. I mean, I've, I've taken, I mean, I, we can say to patients also that I'm Dr. Hammond's dentist, which is cool. Cause I've done work for him. So that's a, that's a big nice. deal. Like he, I like that. If, if the, if the owner of the practice is, is not getting his work done by the associate partner, then that we need to talk about it a little so. I, that's good, Chris. If somebody, if one of your patients, says, well, wait, Dr. Hammond, who's your desk? Ooh, not yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so hey, thanks well, for not um, that one spot there, Chris, for a little bit. <laughs> um, even with how 
great this relationship is between the two of you. Alex mentioned that it was not your plan uh, coming out of dental school. I would be interested to know what advice uh, both of you would give when it comes to I'm a I'm a dentist coming out of dental school. I mean, uh, looking back, what advice are you going to give them about the choice they're going to make? Yeah, I, I, I can answer that for sure. I think the main thing, and I, I tell this to all my, I still have classmates that are coming out of school. You know, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm just a couple years out of school right now, but I, I really think it's important to go where you want to practice. I think there's this mindset where, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else, practice on other people somewhere else and, and, you know, make, make a lot of money really fast. I just, I don't feel that that's, in my personal opinion, I don't feel like that's a great mindset because, because you create relationships with the people around you. And if, if, if you, if I hadn't have been in the area that I essentially wanted to be in, then it wouldn't have been such an easy transition. I probably wouldn't have ever had, you know, lunch with Chris talking about that. I mean, maybe it would have been a phone call and then I had to make a trip out and it's a possible, but there were other doctors that would have been more accessible so I think that's a really important thing is if you do know where you want to be long-term, like don't be afraid just because you're just out of dental school that, that you're going to ruin some, some opportunity in that area. Or I know we talk, I mean, there's a big talk about um, non-competes and those kind of things, but, but there, there are ways to practice close to where you want to be and, and start establishing relationships, not only with patients, but the doctors around. I mean, this is a, the doctor dentist community is, is, is where the opportunities will come. So. Nice. Excellent. How about you, Chris? Uh, what would you say to, what would you say to a young dentist? Um, ask the whole question again, cause you were cutting out the original question. Oh, shoot. So um, imagine doctor, young doctor, Chris Hammond, and he's trying to decide I'm, I'm done with dental school. Where am I going to go? I mean, what's the best advice to a young dentist trying to decide what comes next for their career? Yeah, I think it's okay to look at your career and say, um, I'm going to spend the first X number of years as almost like an apprenticeship, right? To learn everything I can without being focused on, on making a ton of money, like Alex said. Like if you can focus on those first three years um, to learn as much as possible about clinical den dentistry, if it's cosmetic dentistry, if it's Invisalign, if it's surgery, if it's implants, use that as, even if you're not in a... Um, like a residency um, or like a, a fifth year program. If you're not in one of those, look at your, your early years with your, with your doctor or, you know, as, as an associate, as a learning experience and an opportunity to learn. I think that that's a great start. Alex actually said to me, and he, I think he remembers this and I didn't take him serious, but I honestly think he was serious. He said, how much do I need to pay you to hang out with you for 12 months and just learn, <laughs> just learn everything about the way you practice. And I you're my kind of guy, like, Alex, that, that was exactly the right question. That's awesome. I, I honestly felt like he meant that. Yeah. And I would never have asked him to work for free, but suddenly I thought, okay, this guy gets it. He, he knows, um, he knows that this is a, this is a long-term plan. This is the, the long haul for him. And he knows if he can pull off these first few years correctly and do it right, that he's setting himself up to be successful for decades. And I, so that I want to highlight that just real quickly, because I, I would say to anybody who's 
looking at an associate position. If you don't feel that way about the person that you're talking to or thinking about going to practices, how, <clears throat> how much would I be willing to pay them to work here? Because if it's, if you're saying to yourself, man, they can't pay me enough to work here. <laughs> you got the wrong place. So Alex, that was, that was spot on. That was uh, exactly the right. That's what got him a job. No, it's yeah. not true, but it is, it's an example of, of the mindset. And I knew right off the bat, he really just needed to say that for me to think I can go into this with kind of a, a high trust and a low fear uh, yeah. attitude and start, out, start us off on a really good foot. I love it. Okay. Question for both of you, <clears throat> Alex, I'll start with you is knowing what you know now going back and if you were looking at an associate opportunity or you were on the hunt for that, give me the list of questions that you would recommend uh, be asked if you're going to make a really good intelligent decision. So what, what are the questions you would ask today, knowing what you know now? Sure. Um, let's see. So I, I think the most important thing we've discussed it would be the question of, of, you know, what, what is your day-to-day -day look like as, okay. as the, as the owner of this practice and just listen, like I, I'm, I'm big into, in, into what we've learned from, from tops and, and knowing like it's time to sit back and listen, don't put words in the mouth of, of uh, anyone. So I think that's a really important question because for me, most important thing to me is, is going to be, okay, what is, what does their look, life look like? And, and can, will I want to emulate that? So I think that's a really important thing. We've hit that pretty good. Another big, a big thing for me is, is definitely going to be, how, can, how do I get to know your team? Like, I, who do you hire? Like, who are these people that I'm going to work with day to day? How long have they been there? Like, is there a high turnover? Cause that's a big thing that a lot of my classmates are dealing with now is, is realizing how, how high turnover kind of tells you something, right? Not, not necessarily, it's, it's going to happen, absolutely. But I mean, having, knowing that there's a, a, at least a few team members that are committed to the, to the team, they feel part of the team and it's not just a, a in-between job for them. And, and that's, that's something that I, I had no doubt. I mean, I, I, I've seen, it's pretty cool actually. There's a couple of people that still work for Chris that, that took care of me as a little kid that have been around for a long time. And I think that shows that there's a lot of, a lot of emphasis in team play, right? It's not all about what can the owner doctor take home. And, and then that's why I don't even worry about the money aspect of it because, because I know it's, it's coming back to the team. I can look at the team. I look at, and so everyone's taken care of, everyone's taken care of. And so I don't need to know the exact number of, of what I'm, I'm going to make. But um, I think lastly, I think another, a big thing is, is knowing who they associate with as far as as other practicing specialists dentists in the community I, i'm big into that because i grew up in a family i mean my dad's an oral surgeon right so so i really truly believe that there's an advantage in in having a team right a team of of it's not just not just you and it's important for us to have all the training on how to do surgery how to do it but it doesn't mean we have to do it all I mean, we want to, we want to be able to let our patients know, Hey, there, there's someone who does this all day, every day. I'm happy to do it for you, but they're part of our team. And if you, you want 
to see them, then great. Like they're going to take care of you. And, and so I, I think that's important to me too. I think that's, it's nice to know that you aren't an, an island, right? The island you want to, you want to be part of that network of doctors around you too. So th- those are important things for me. All right. So Chris, uh, you're <clears throat> advising a, someone who is looking for an associate, you've been on the other side. Uh, what would, what would be on the list of, of your questions that you would recommend they ask? What should they look for? Well, I'd like to know, I mean, I'd like to know um, a little bit about their family. I'd like to know about their employment uh, uh, in the past. I kind of want to know what their, what their end goal is, what they're trying to get out of dentistry and how they see themselves practicing over the next 20 or 30 years. Are you in it to get out of it? Or are you in it because you want, in my, in my situation, um, do you value fee for service practice? Are you wanting to be a part of what um, I am? Cause I'm like a solo practice, right? I mean, I, I'm there on the weekends. We're there um, for patients when they need us. It's not a big group of guys that are just um, in a kind of a non-personal relationships. So I'm looking for someone that wants to do what I do. I guess it's kind of the reverse thing that, that Alex said. He, he's looking for someone that, um, that is living the life that he wants to live and practicing the way he wants to practice. I'm looking for someone that wants what I do so that um, uh, they're excited and anxious to learn about, about the direction that I went so they can immediately kind of blend with our culture. Right. So it kind of goes both ways, I guess, now that I talk about it. Yeah. I think one of the biggest takeaways from this is, you know, are, if you're looking for this kind of a situation, are you looking for a job or are you looking for a learning opportunity that could potentially turn into a long-term career opportunity? And I think there's a big, big difference. If you're just looking for a job, you're probably going to land one kind of an opportunity. If you're looking for a mentor and a learning opportunity and, and someplace where you can help put the pieces together for your own vision, you're going to get a very different opportunity. So thanks for sharing yeah, that. And I think it's just important for both parties to be honest about that question because don't say one thing just to get the job because you're really messing with, with a fire there. You need to be sure that you're addressing that up front. And I need to be honest with the associate about what the opportunity is like, and they need to be honest with me about what they want. And then I think it can be a good fit if, as long as that discussion happens up front. Beautiful. Stu, what have we missed? Very cool. Um, one of the key aspects that we try to you know, teaching Crown Council is uh, we, I think even Steve mentioned it at the beginning, uh, copy genius, find a mentor, find a group. Um, when you guys look at your lives, uh, who and what uh, type of relationship is most important that you would recommend to a young uh, dentist or a young student, um, the mentors in your life, the people in your journey, who, who are key aspects when it, uh, when it comes to providing advice to others. Chris, would you go first? Yeah, I actually I actually listed my mentors last week when I was down with Brian Harris down in, in Phoenix. And and I did I did talk about this. I think one of the things that I cherish most in someone that has mentored me um, is they it's like that that abundance mentality. Like the more that I can share with someone without worrying about being paid or what's going to be in it for me the more that good virtue and good things come back to me. So when I look for a mentor and also, I guess when I mentor somebody like Alex or other people that I've worked with, or when we're, when I'm teaching, I don't want there to be the concern about what's in it for me or what's in it for them. It just needs to be a free exchange of information 
um, kind of like my dad used to always tell me, if, if you want to be selfish in life, that's okay. You want things to come back to you. The best way to be that way is to be as generous as possible with everything that you have. And the one thing is your time. And I think that's probably a good, a good quality of a mentor, someone that's willing to give their knowledge and their time without worrying about what's, what's in it for them, whether it's money or, or something that will come back to them. Is there anybody specifically, Chris, that you, uh, I mean, not names in general, but um, different categories. When we had Dr. Tyre on, he, uh, he shared some um, suggestions for the types of mentors he had, whether it was business or clinical. Oh, yeah. Accountant. Yeah, I yeah, do have there... a clinical mentor. I don't mind mentoring his name. Everyone knows that Dr. Hornbrook is my clinical mentor. He's been training me for many, many years. Um, and he does fit that quality of a dentist or a mentor in that he doesn't, he just is willing to share just abundantly, um, in his life in all sorts of different ways. And then, so a clinical mentor is important. A business mentor is important. Someone that will teach you how to run a business and how to be a leader. And those two things kind of run together for me. Um, I think that's what you're getting at, uh, Stu. And then, um, a relationship mentor, we use, uh, tops a lot, um, and Crown Council to feed us a lot of those different things. And I think if we were to, to list the organizations that have helped find us mentors and mentor us in our business, both Alex and I, um, many of those people are found in Crown Council and in, in, uh, in TOPS. Very cool. Alex, any, any to add? Yeah, see, it's nice when you find a really good main mentor like Chris, because then you take on their mentors. <laughs> <laughs> right? You get to borrow them. Yeah, so I, so I borrowed a lot of a lot of Chris's and they've taken me on graciously. And so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's a big part of it. And I, I've already spoken about my dad and my grandfather who were both, my grandfather's a general dentist and he, uh, he was a great mentor for me too. So, um, but just, yeah, echoing Chris, it's, it's I really enjoy, I think within a, for the first couple of weeks I was here, right, Chris, we had Tanya Bailey here from tops and it was just, it was so enlightening to know, okay, how, how someone like her can know our practice so well and how I can be a great, a great piece in, in, in moving this practice forward and growing this practice. So I, I was absolutely grateful for that. And, and we'll continue borrowing these mentors for a long time, for sure. Very good. <laughs> nice. Gentlemen, thank you for your sharing your experience and your wisdom and your example with us today. I've learned a lot. And uh, I know everybody listening to this will, uh, will have learned a lot as well. So thank you for uh, putting a good thing together and for leading the way and for sharing everything you've learned for the benefit of everybody else. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Stuart. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for joining us for this Mentor of the Month podcast sponsored by Crown Council. This is just one tool available to the Crown Council membership that helps dental teams build a culture of success. That's our mission and purpose is to provide a place for dental teams to come together and learn the skills needed to develop your most valuable asset, the people, those people who work in your practice. As always, if you're interested in being part of this group or want more information about the tools available to the membership, go to www.crowncouncil.com or call us 1-800-276-9658. Thanks.